Welcome to Veterinary Vertex, a podcast of the AVMA Journals. I'm Dr. Lisa Fortier, Editor-in-Chief of the AVMA Journals, and I'm joined today by Dr. Sarah Wright, our Social Media Associate Editor. We're bringing you a special episode with our guest, Dr. Jillian Haynes. Jillian, we are so excited to speak with you today. Jillian is an Associate Professor in the Small Animal Internal Medicine Service at Washington State University. In this episode, we're going to talk about Jillian's AJVR manuscripts, a randomized crossover study of compounded liquid sildenafil for treatment of generalized megasophagus in dogs. Dr. Haynes, thank you so much for joining us. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So many people, including myself, don't often think of sildenafil as a treatment for megasophagus. What inspired your group to investigate using sildenafil as a treatment for this disease? Sure. So sildenafil has been evaluated for use in human medicine for the treatment of esophageal achalasia, which is a failure of the lower esophageal sphincter, or also termed the gastroesophageal sphincter, to open normally. So the idea is that sildenafil works to relax the smooth muscle of the lower esophageal sphincter for a short duration of time. Our previous research studies, as well as work by other research groups, have shown that the gastroesophageal sphincter plays an important role in the clinical signs that we see in dogs with megaesophagus. So many times that gastroesophageal sphincter does not open in proper coordination with swallowing or in response to the presence of material in the esophagus in those dogs with megaesophagus. So it's actually failure of that sphincter to open that results in the retention of food and water in the esophagus and then ultimately regurgitation. So there was a previous research study by another veterinary group that found clinical improvement in a group of puppies with congenital megaesophagus. We wanted to look more closely um, at the use of sildenafil um, in older dogs and in dogs with megasophagus that were due to other causes, um, not just congenital, to see if the impact was still relevant across these different ages and different disease processes. We also wanted to explore how we could deliver the drug in these dogs because we all know that there are a lot of challenges with administering oral medications to dogs with megasophagus. So we hoped that the study would really provide information that a general practitioner could use in a real-life setting to allow them to successfully treat these dogs. That's wonderful. And actually, because of your paper, before I started the AVMA, I did use sildenafil for some megasophagus cases um, for some of my patients. So really important study, and it was pretty popular. In fact, your manuscript has received lots of attention that we've tracked through Altmetric, including news, social media, and bloggers. I think I saw it in a news article, again, before I started working for the AVMA. What do you think has people talking about this manuscript? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been really interesting uh, to see how much it's taken off. And I still stumble across it kind of in, in unexpected places um, when I'm online. I think the reason it got so much attention is multifactorial. Um, in terms of the general public, I think that it's just really surprisingly relatable um, and for some people also, of course, a little humorous. Um, I think that um, people people know what Viagra is, right? And they know what it's typically used for. So when they see an article um, that about it being used in dogs, it just piques their interest. They can then read about it and find out that uh, the drug has other important uses as well. Um, other things, megasophagus is an uncommon disease, but a lot of people have had a pet um, or know of someone who's had a pet that 
has megasophagus or something similar. And this is especially true now that so many people stay connected uh, via social media. So many times the pet that they did know probably didn't do very well with the disease. And um, so they are pretty excited or intrigued by the idea that there is a treatment option that's available and they want to share that information. Um, and then finally, there are owners of dogs with megasophagus um, out there. Um, many of them are doing their own research on the disease. The work of megasophagus management really falls so heavily on the owner. Um, so it's common for these owners to be part of social media groups and other support groups so that they can share ideas and information with each other. So, of course, these owners are really excited when any new treatment options come up. Um, and having these research studies provides them something tangible that they can then take back to their veterinarian and they can discuss whether sildenafil is going to be an option for their pet. Um, so I think that's, you know, a, a many things that have kind of led to the explosion of popularity with this concept. Yeah, explosions, right? Jillian, <laughs> uh, I, I thank you for bringing this great information to AJVR. It's also your study is one of a randomized crossover design. And those, uh, you know, I did research for 30 some years. Those can be really, really tough to design and execute and keep them going. And I really appreciate the level of evidence that you've brought to this important disease and a new drug to treat it. So what for those people that are listening that might be trying to do this sort of higher level of evidence study, what, what couple tips can you give them to emulate your success? Yeah, I mean... Um, with the, the study, one thing we did do is we had the dogs act as their own control. Um, and that was important because this disease especially has the potential for a lot of variability in clinical signs and many of the metrics that we were measuring. So we wanted to make sure that we captured really good data on their normal, their baseline prior to the study and also during all the washout periods so that we really could compare at multiple time points. So making sure that you have a sufficiently long washout period is really important to prevent any carryover effects. The other thing that we did was blinding. So everyone in the study was blinded uh, because we didn't want to have any placebo effect or bias effect. Uh, our owners were actually completing logs at home um, involving the regurgitation episodes and other things that they were seeing. So we really didn't want to have a placebo effect with them um, and anything biased that would affect the study results. We also got other inv individuals outside the study involved so that we really could stay completely blinded. So we worked with pharm pharmacy, both the compounding pharmacy as well as our internal pharmacy and also other people that helped with the blinding process. Um, so we were blinded during all the randomization as well as dispensing of the drug. And I think, and finally, another important thing is that going into this, we wanted to make sure we had a really solid study design that was in place because of the blinding process. We essentially had no access to the results as the study was happening. So we had to make sure that everything was really well documented and really well planned. So at the end, once the blinding was removed, we could analyze that data well, you know, after the fact. Very nice. And I know I saw a few cases too during my small world rotating internship and also as a veterinary student. So as a current associate professor in small animal internal medicine at Washington State, 
How has this position shaped your manuscript and has had any, any impact too on your perspective of One Health in relationship to this disease? So, uh, you know, we're really lucky in the veterinary profession that we have the opportunity to utilize all the human literature to look for new and innovative ways to treat our patients. And as I discussed before, it was work in the human field that really was the inspiration for this research project. I mean, it, it only makes sense that the treatments, medications that work in people have the potential to work in other species. Um, and I had the opportunity while here at Washington State University to really see some of the amazing work that's being done by our colleagues in the School of Global Health. And they target a lot of zoonotic diseases and other global health challenges. I've seen how much we as veterinarians can benefit from the work of our peers in human health, but also how much of an impact that the veterinary field can have on human health care worldwide. Um, and, you know, it's only my hope that. I can, at some point in my career, give back to the human health side um, as much as it has benefited us. So there's a lot of important points in your manuscripts, but if you could pick one point, what is the main clinical take-home message from your work that you'd like other veterinarians to know? So really the, the biggest thing that I hope this manuscript does is to bring forward the idea that there are options for these dogs. Megasophagus does not have to be a death sentence. While it will not work for every dog, uh, there is at least some hope to offer owners with the use of sildenafil. And it, it's another tool right, to have in your toolbox for a disease that really has historically not had a lot of treatment options. So I think just having any sort of small thing that we can try uh, to help these dogs um, is, is just really beneficial for everyone. Yeah, thank you again for sharing it with AJBR. Um, just going to put in a plug, like, you know, I think for sure the humor part that you pointed out that this manuscript would have gotten a lot of attention, but with our amazing Dr. Sarah Wright social media skills, uh, manuscripts that are published in JABMA and AJVR and this podcast really receive a ton of attention. Uh, it, you know, we're, I hope you experience it. It's a really author-friendly um, journal to submit to. And I'm really proud to say in Q3 of 2022, our time from submission to publication for both JAVMA and AJVR is less than 80 days. 66 days in JAVMA and something like 72 in AJVR. So um, so I, I, I'm really grateful again for you bringing this to AJVR. Yeah, it was a really actually very enjoyable process, a uh, very supportive process going through um, the whole manuscript um, submission through AJBR. So um, I definitely enjoyed it and it did come out very rapid. So I was very happy uh, with that experience. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, as we wrap up the podcast a little bit, we like to bring it home a little bit more and ask something uh, a little more personal. We haven't gotten the same answer to this twice yet, and we're going to compile them. Um, what's the oldest or the most interesting thing in Jillian Haynes's drawer, desk drawer, not, not your personal drawers, right. <laughs> desk drawer? <laughs> well, I mean, I imagine like everyone else, I have quite a lot of random stuff in my desk drawers. Um, I haven't been in my office for enough decades to have anything that's really especially old. Um, I do have a small collection of pins that I um, keep in my drawer. I use to spice up my white coats when I'm on clinics. 
They're all corgi themed, um, and most of them are gifts from students. So I have two corgis, um, and people um, on this podcast cannot see the visual behind me and my office of all the corgi things. Um, but I do admit that I have a tendency to share my love of corgis with everyone around me. Um, but corgis are cute, so my students don't seem to mind too much. I love corgis. What are your corgis' names? I have Eloise and Hobbs. Oh, I love that. Very nice. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for sharing that with us. And just, again, thank you for sharing your important work, too, with AJVR and for our readers. It really is a game changer in the treatment of this disease, and I hope veterinarians can use it moving forward. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. You can read Dr. Haynes' manuscript on our journal website. I'm Dr. Sarah Wright with Dr. Lisa Fortier. We want to thank each of you for joining us on this episode of the Veterinary Vertex podcast. We love sharing cutting-edge veterinary research with you, and we want to hear from you. Be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to. Until next time, take care, and we'll see you soon.